guess I don't really have to give a talk. Thanks, David. <laughs> yeah, what, so what he said is maybe what we ought to be dwelling on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's good, it's good to be back. I, I was in Israel for um, about 10 days. It's hard to believe that for, this is my 20th year of leading these kinds of experiences in Israel. Of course, I lived there for a few years, which was how I got into this. And uh, yeah, so I had the chance of leading around a group of mostly Lutheran people from, uh, from Minnesota, and, um, and a couple of other random people came along, and my youngest daughter came, so it was, it was amazing, it was rich, it was good, it, and it's good to be back, too. I mean, I did get back yesterday afternoon, so I'm a little confused <laughs> about what time it is and things like that. And um, yeah, I want to start, I guess I've already started, but um, a series called spirituality for the 21st century. And why? Why, in part, is because we call ourselves a spiritual community, and we want to ask, well, what the heck is that? Have you, have you ever tried to explain C3 to people? <laughs> so, yeah, what is a spiritual community? What do we even mean by the word? And, um, of course, that's a lot of what we do here anyway. We, we do tend to wrestle with, with words and questions and phrases and ideas and that's what I hope this series will be, a bit of a wrestling match with what are we talking about when we talk about the spiritual life or spirituality. And um, yeah, and so I had this little talk prepared, but then some things have been happening around here. <laughs> um, so I guess since you were cussing, David, in your, in your little meditation, I'll just add to it. To quote the Big Lebowski, new shit has come to light, man. <laughs> So, so I'm going to fill you in. Yeah, we, we've been in this spot for 11 years, renting this community center, and uh, some of us don't like the carpet, but <laughs> beyond that, uh, it's been, you know, it started to feel like home. It's like, that's how I feel when I pull in here. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to see all of you, and, and it's been kind of, um, I think, an interesting in a way, kind of symbol for a place like us to be right in the heart of a community and, and to be renters and to be a part of the voice of this place, meaning Grand Haven and West Michigan in general. And um, yeah, so really we're, we're dealing with three separate things about our future here, and I want you to kind of try to keep them separate. So I'm going to give you a little drive-through, and then I want to say some things about that, and then I'll finally get around to at least... Um, 5% of my talk, which, which is called Not Everything is Spiritual. Um, okay, yes, yeah, so really three things. We're, we are in ongoing discussions about renting this place. And as you know, we share the rental of the community center with Life Church across the way, and that's what we're negotiating. In. And we want you to know that we're being taken seriously by the city as renters, and we're really actually negotiating. How do we share this space? Um, how do we get along? Um, and what are the terms of our, our um, agreement? What are the terms of our agreement? And can we come to some, something that is beneficial for us um, and, that, and that works in the larger sense? And we're actually in a pretty good place. We feel like we're being heard by the city, and so we want you to know that. And, and at this point, let us keep negotiating. And and certainly, 
we'll let everyone know ways in which you can con continue to support who we are and what we're up to and things like that. But that's between us and the city, really. That has really nothing to do with Life Church. That's just what does the city want to do with us and can we come to terms that make sense? Um, and issue number two is how do we get along with people that share the same um, space? And that's been, we've had some growing pains there. It's been a bit of a challenge. And some of it is just ordinary challenges. And some of it is that we're just like people. I, well, I am. I'm just a human being. And sometimes petty things annoy me. And there have been annoyances on both parties. And what we want to do is be the kind of place that can work through that stuff. Because no matter what, for the time being, no matter if we stay here for another 11 years or we stay here for five months or whatever, we still have the responsibility of getting along as best we can with the people who are around us. That's part of our values. And we want to be the kind of place that lives our values and doesn't just post about them on Twitter or something. Not that you should be on Twitter. It's kind of a waste. Um, and the third kind of related um, challenge, and that's how I view these things, challenges, is, is this the best place for us? And that's something we've been talking about on, on, the, on the board level and on the finance team just for the last couple years. Like, well, what kind of place does best serve us? Is, this, is it this place? Is it somewhere else? Should we keep our eyes open? And that, I think we're just in that ongoing discussion. And we will welcome, over the next month, I think, welcome your input. We'd like to know what you think. Not right now, because we have other things to do. But we want, we want to welcome your input. Like, where do you want to be? And what's possible? And um, have we really looked around? And could there be a better place for us? But in the meantime, we want to be good neighbors and good tenants and be adults um, about this whole process. Have I made sense? So I just wanted to address that directly. I used to teach high school, and um, in the fall every year, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the fall every year, you have the first snow. Are you familiar with this? <laughs> and if your classroom has windows, then everybody is like, oh, it's snowing. And if you just go on teaching, there's no point. You know, you just... No one will be listening. You have to stop and say, oh my God, it's snowing. And you all walk over there like this. You look for 45 seconds, then you can come back. So that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> we're looking at the snow. We're looking at the challenges and opportunities that we're facing just in, in our future here, in our ongoing evolution. Have I made sense? Okay. Now, as it relates to that, I have like one, two, three, four, five points. <laughs> And then point number six will be my actual talk, but I promise we won't be here forever. Um, yeah, let me just look here. Um, point number one is just a reiteration. Let's be good neighbors. Like, you, you be a good neighbor, I'll be a good neighbor. And let's do whatever we can to be hospitable, which is the word that I was using before. Let's be hospitable people and and interested people and kind people to the best of our ability as we share this space, as we would want if we were coming in here. You know, that's, that's how we would, we would like to be treated. And I think we should ask ourselves um, kind of the hard question of, have we been good neighbors? Maybe you just want to put it in the first person, have I been a good neighbor? That's kind of a challenge. You know, I've been in this, in kind of a public role most of my adult life. I was a megachurch pastor. I taught high school. That's even more challenging than being a megachurch pastor, I, I promise you. But you end up, you end up um, receiving criticisms. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Um, 
But you receive criticism from people. And, and, and a long time ago, I heard this from Richard Rohr, and he said, when you receive a criticism from someone, it is important to listen as to whether or not there's any truth here. Like, and that's kind of what I'm asking about being good neighbors. Like, you don't just want to say, I'm always a good neighbor. You want to say, wait a minute, how? Like, let the, take a look in the mirror. And also remember that it's often not about you. You know, criticisms are often not about you. And so I want to be in that, have we been good neighbors? Maybe the answer is yes and no. But I'm, I'm sort of setting a challenge down. Let's try to be the best neighbors we can be for the next chapter. So, um, which leads me to point number two. And it goes something like this. Um, I think our existence matters. Like this unusual collection of people. Like, look, just look around. Like, kind of weird people from, <laughs> I think, it's just my opinion, you know. <laughs> it's just my truth. You have to accept my truth. Um, but like, sort of like unusual, like how do we end up here? And how did each of you end up here? When I first took this job, I had this like standing, back when we had the other office, I had, I had this standing lunch. Like you could come on a certain day and bring your own lunch and we would talk. And I just wanted to know, how'd you end up at C3? That was, all, that was the point of the lunch. And it was so interesting that people had really different stories and different backgrounds and different religious traditions and non-religious traditions. And I thought, this is a, an interesting mixture of people. And so I just want to say, I think a spiritual community, whatever that matters or whatever that means, and our particular manifestation of that belongs in the public square. That's what I'm saying. In the public square of ideas and possibilities and communities. And, and so I'm just trying to encourage you that I think our, our presence does matter. And, and we're not all things to all people. We're not. We, we can't be. We can't be all things to all people. I'm certainly not all things to all people. Who's, that's, that's the Apostle Paul. Apparently he said he could be all things to all people. I can't. <laughs> Um, and I think part of our niche is around even something that I would call the, the spiritually homeless. There's <laughs> a kind of like spiritual homelessness. It's a kind of symbol. And I, I think we attract that, those, those kinds of people or spiritual misfits or, or doubters. Like if we had a patron saint, it would be Thomas, okay? And, um, and I think we attract open-minded people. So let's just be that. It's okay. That's the kind of people that we're interested in. And, and, and people like us and people not a part of this community who feel, feel spiritually homeless might want to find a home here. And so our presence here matters. I, I want to encourage you in that sense to be yourselves and be C3 here in West Michigan. Um, okay, point, num point number three is that I haven't gotten around to what is the spiritual life, but I'll try in a moment. But I want to say that a, a spiritual life fundamentally involves conflict, that the very nature of change necessitates conflict, I think. Or I should say, um, conflict is an ingredient in change. I mean, do you change just without conflict? Think about it. The real big changes in your life, has there been tension and conflict? I guarantee there probably has. And and so just the fact that there are some tensions about renting and things like this, okay, that's an opportunity, that a spiritual life where there's... Because what does that force us to do? It forces us to ask, who the heck are we and what are we doing here? 
And what are our values? And do you even want to come? Do you want other people to be a part of this? And how are you going to live these things out? And all that stuff is good, I think. Have I made sense? So let's be the kind of place that can welcome tensions. And uh, fourth point, I've already lost count of the numbers. I'm going to pretend I'm on point four. Was I on point, point four? Yes. My students used to say that when I didn't know, I would just switch to like letters, you know. Like. <laughs> so I think I'm in that place. B. Oh, yeah, are we on B? B. All of the above, E. That was my favorite uh, choice always. Okay, um, it's kind of a reiteration of some of the things I was saying before, but this is a chance for us to live out our values. It's a chance for us to live out our values, and, and I don't think we have anything to apologize for, us being us in the world, and, but that still also comes with some responsibility. Look at them sometime. Just read the values and, and ask yourself, are there ways that I can embody these that are new and fresh and challenging and and there's no need to point fingers or anything like that. Let's just live out our values. Point five, and then I'll get to my actual talk, which will be point six. Um, don't forget we have a long history. I just want to remind you of that. I said that last week, or when I, no, two weeks ago. Um, Beth was teaching last week. We have a long history. More than 100 years, different manifestations of this place have existed. That's a long time for a spiritual community. And that's a kind of evolution. Like things evolve and change. You evolve and change. And communities evolve and change. And um, it, we've had many faces and many changes and many leaders and many volunteers. And I hope that continues for a long time. And let's just keep that in mind. Who knows? This might be the beginning of the next chapter of C3. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And to me, that's kind of exciting. It's like, do you want to be a part of a place that is evolving and changing and growing and, and challenging one another? And yeah, I do. Okay. Point six, not everything is spiritual. <laughs> yeah, so, Okay. What exactly do I want to say about this? I want to pick on spirituality for a little bit. For about 10 years, I called myself spiritual but not religious. And I thought, yeah, that kind of works. But then lately I've been wondering, I don't really know what I mean by those words anymore. It depends on what you mean. Like people say, oh, I'm not religious. And I think most people mean, okay, they don't adhere to certain doctrine statements. But if you ask them, well, if you're, well what is spiritual, then there's then you don't know what the answer will be. It's actually kind of hard. Like, what would you say about your own spirituality? Would you define it or would you not define it? And um, what do we mean by things? And is everything is spiritual? That's kind of the, the go-to right now in the culture. Well, everything is spiritual. You know, like, I, I go to hot yoga and I, then I get a latte and I charge my crystals on my dashboard and, you know, anything, anything can be spiritual. And I, and I think, well, possibly, that's possibly true. Um, but I also got gas on the way here, and I didn't really find that to be that spiritual of an experience. I mean, it was, it was helpful <laughs> um, and expensive, but I don't need to turn that into some sort of, you know, transcendent experience. I don't know. So these are things I want you to be wrestling with. Like, 
What do we mean by spiritual? And is, is, is everything spiritual? Or does everything have, is spirituality an ingredient in everything? That's maybe a more interesting question. Like, does every part of life contain something that's spiritual? I think, hmm, that's, that's a slightly different question and an interesting one. And I think the realms of worlds, what's spiritual and what is not spiritual, I think those need to be intention. It's sort of like saying, um, I'm into non-attachment. Like, you, do you know what you need to have to be into non-attachment? Attachments. <laughs> like, to let something go, you have to have first cling to it with your white knuckles. And that's what I'm kind of saying about spiritual and not spiritual. Are there realms that are not spiritual? Are there realms that are spiritual? These kinds of things. So I want to try to, in like... Um, four and a half minutes, define for you what I mean by spiritual <laughs> and what I mean by spirit, just as a kind of starting place. And, um, and I want to raise some questions around that, and then I want to read a Rumi poem called The Community of the Spirit. Okay, let's start with the word spirit. And you've heard this. Maybe Beth even talked about it last week. But the word spirit is rooted in the word for breath in Greek. And in Greek only. There are other languages out there besides Greek. <laughs> um, breath. And part of that, you can imagine human breath or the breath of living beings. But it means something slightly more than that. Sort of like the breath of life. Like the actual manifestation of something coming into being, that movement. Spirit is about a movement. It's an energetic movement, like breathing in and out. Unless you, well, if you stop, that's the, <laughs> something ceases, correct? <laughs> but breathe, it's a, it's a kind of, there's a flow to it, which is another word for spirit. So when people say spirituality, they're talking about breath. I'm talking about ancient I'm using some ancient images here. They're talking about wind. That's another translation. Like even Jesus says, you can't tell where the spirit comes from or where it's going because the spirit is like the wind. So it's like the wind. It's like breath. We're already in the realm of metaphor. It's like a flow. If you go into the ancient Eastern religions, it's much more like a river, the ongoing movement of something. It's not stagnant. It's what I would say is the yes of life, which is slightly different. Like you could ask, why is there something rather than nothing? That's a philosophical question. But spirit is interested in the manifestation of the something. It's like, who cares why it's here? It's the how of being itself. That's the realm of the spirit. The movement, the flow, the life force, energetic life force. That's another way of saying spirit. You could even say it's evolution itself. It's, it's, it's the, the, the expansion and flowing out of being from simple to complex. That's the nature of evolution. Have I made sense so far? That's the realm of spirit. Here are other words for it. Source. Um, Kundalini would, would use energy. So the energies of movement. Um, Plato used eros. 
Plato used eros. It says the fundamental reality of the universe is eros. And eros is one of the, one of the expressions of love. So it's the outpouring, the eros, love, life force of being itself coming into being. And guess what? It's not that personal. It's just the way things are. Like, and now let's, let's make some connections. How many of you have ever felt like you were all of a sudden in a mode of being and you were being carried along somewhere? Like it wasn't so much you, but you're caught up in something that's larger than you. That would be the realm of the spirit. Just by, by definition, by using ancient definition here. Oh, here's the kind of sign. I'm going to probably give a whole talk on this, so I'm going to give it away right now. Um, so Darwin um, used the phrase, uh, the survival of the fittest, two times in Origin of the Species. Survival of the fittest. And he used the word love almost 100 times to describe evolution. And he's, he's alluding to Plato here with eros. That's the life force that wants to be in the world and live in the world and move in the world. And it's transcendent, and it transcends the ego, the small self, the I, the small I. It's like that feeling of there's something larger than me is, is the feeling of the spirit. Have I made sense? That's my, my best attempt right now to try to describe something that's hard to describe. So a spirituality is a relationship with that thing, with the flow, with energy, with love, with eros, with life, with being, with meaning, with the energetic flow of things. That's what a spirituality is. And you cannot have a spirituality. You can resist that. I mean, if take the image of a dam for a moment. Like, you put up a dam in the flow of the river, and things stagnate, correct? And you've probably felt that in your life at certain times. And a spirituality that would be more in align with the flow, there would be more movement. The dam would come down and it, and it would move and flow and be. Okay? So, um, that's sort of why I'm saying not everything is spiritual. Not everything is necessarily leads to a relationship with the universe coming into being, with flow and movement and life and life force. You can resist these things. So I guess partly what I'm saying as an, 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 as an opening question um, is a question of relationship. I think a spiritual life is just a question of how do I relate to things that are of ultimate concern. A spiritual life is how do I relate to the movement of the flow of mystery in life. That's a relational question, not so much a question of definition. It's a relationship question. And um, let me see how much I really want to say right this second. <laughs> okay. It's the how. If we call everything spiritual, I think we miss an opportunity. That's what I'd like to say in just... A brief phrase. If we, if we treat everything as spiritual, we miss an opportunity to enhance our relationship what is with what is ultimately flowing and moving and mysteriously coming into being. So here's what I'm suggesting. As, um, as a beginning for a conversation around spirituality in the 21st century, 
Um, you've heard the word inspire. Would you like to live a life of inspiration? You can hear the word spirit inside the word, a life of inspiration. A healthy spirituality is developing a life that is inspired, that is in relationship with flow and movement and mystery and being. That's what I'd like to suggest. Um, so you would want to ask yourself, where do I feel the flow in my own life? Where do I feel the mysterious and transcendent flow in my own life? And how would I come into greater contact with that? Okay, I've been reading a book by a guy named Gerald May. Anybody ever heard of this figure? He was a psychiatrist. And, um, and he started to realize that psychiatry was doing a pretty good job treating symptoms. But most of his patients, he realized, had a fundamental spiritual problem, not just a problem of symptoms. And so he started to get interested in, in the largest sense in spirituality, in a healthy spirituality is what he would call it. And he, he, uh, so he wrote a book called Will and Spirit. It's a book that I've been reading recently about some of these things. And I want to give you two kind of camps here as a way to build a bridge between this and the Rumi poem. So he says a healthy spirituality has these two components. There's the area of willfulness and the, the area of willingness. Can you feel the difference just right off the bat? Willfulness and willingness. Now, most of the time, we live in the realm of willfulness. How do we know that? Because of what David was saying about all the other drivers who don't know how to drive in ice and snow. Okay? That's the will, that's the ego exerting itself, and it's actually an essential part of being a human being, to make plans, to move. It's the realm of choice and freedom and discipline and making something happen. Things aren't going your way or things aren't going away for the community. It's a question of how do we exert ourselves. That's willfulness. But it's only one face of the spiritual life. The other face is the polar opposite, and that has to do with willingness. And willingness is about surrender and consent and allowing and non-attachment and movement and flowing in such a way where the ego isn't the sole thing that's in charge. Can you feel the tension between these two things? So, if we step back and say, what have we said so far? We've tried to define the spirit as a kind of flow, as a movement that's embedded in the universe. We've try I've tried to say that a spirituality is a relationship with that mystery. And now I'm saying one of the faces of that has to do with willingness and allowing and moving with and aligning with the flow or the eros of the universe. It's what Jesus said when he said, not my will but yours. That's in all, some version of that is in almost every religion that I know of. Not my will but yours. You know what most Christians do? No offense. But they say, they pray that prayer, not my will but yours, and then go and exert their will. <laughs> And because that's part of life, because there is a time when you want to make choice and move and act and exert, but the other face is a kind of surrender. And, and what I'm saying is a spirituality without that is not very healthy. Okay, which leads me to Rumi. 
Let's look at this poem. This poem is called Community of the Spirit. There is a community of the Spirit. Think wind, flow, breath, movement, eros, love, light. There is a community of the Spirit. Join it. That's what he's saying. Join it and feel the delight of walking in the noisy street and being the noise. Allowing, I'm interpreting here, joining with what is happening in the mystery of life. Drink all your passion and be a disgrace. (laughs) By the way, this kind of spirituality, this kind of movement with the Spirit might put you not in alignment with your neighbors and friends and with polite society and sophistication. So drink all your passion and be a disgrace. Close both eyes to see with the other eye. Close both eyes. That's a way of saying, don't believe your own PR. Don't believe you can always see. Don't believe that you even think you know, you know what's always going on. Close your eyes and you'll see with another eye. See, this is a kind of spirituality, a poetic way of trying to tr- describe the spirituality that I'm interested in. Open your hands if you want to be held. Do you feel the difference? Try it. Try it. Like, what does this feel like? Clench your fists. Just do it right now. Feel it. There's a time for that, isn't there? Really, honestly. Yeah, there's a time for that. Like, damn it. And then, then open them. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that feeling that he's describing. He's saying, yeah, there's something larger than your own story, than your own PR, than your own willfulness. All right, so open your hands if you want to be held. Consider what you have been doing. Here's some marital advice. Why do you stay with such a mean-spirited and dangerous partner? (laughs) I don't know why that makes me laugh. It makes me laugh because this was written in the 13th century. That's what makes me laugh, you know. For the security of having food? Admit it, he's saying. Admit it. That's what it's about. Here's a better arrangement. Give up this life and get 100 new lives. Do you feel the willfulness and willingness intention here? Oh, just give it up and see what else will come your way. That's actually what people mean when they say, trust the spirit, the movement, the flow. Maybe the universe isn't all about us. Maybe the universe isn't all about you. Maybe the universe isn't all about me. And there's something mysterious he's describing that if we can let go a little bit, you get a hundredfold back. Then he says, sit down in this circle. Quit acting like a wolf and feel the shepherd's love filling you. Quit acting like a wolf and feel the shepherd's love filling you. That's the tagline right underneath Twitter to bring that up. Quit acting like a wolf and feel the shepherd's love filling you. At night, your beloved wanders. Do not take painkillers. Do not numb out. Do not resist by checking out, he's saying. Tonight, no consolations and do not eat. Why? Because you might be filled by something else. That's why. Don't eat. Just allow. 
Close your mouth against food. Taste the lover's mouth in yours. You moan. But she left me. He left me. Twenty more will come. He's saying if you align with this kind of flow and this kind of movement, everything is passing away and everything is permanent, impermanent and more will be given to you. Be empty of worrying. Think of who created the thought. Why do you stay in prison when the door is wide open? Move outside the tangle of fear, thinking, live in silence. Move outside the tangle of fear, thinking, live in silence. The door of the prison is already open. Flow down and down in always widening rings of being. And here you have the very image I was beginning with. Flow, movement, wind, spirit, water. Flow down and down in always widening rings of being. That's the kind of spiritual life I think we need in the 21st century. There's a time for willfulness, and there's the invitation of willingness and consent and mystery and um, motion and love and movement and expansion. Like Rilke says, I live my life in widening circles that move out across the world. It's the same kind of sentiment. Rilke, I think, is alluding to this line, flow down and down in always widening rings of being. He's saying this is the kind of spirituality that can expand your life. It's the kind of a stance you can take in the world that where, where the small ego dissolves enough where your own being can grow. Let me do an internal check-in. Yep, I think that's all I want to say today. I hope you'll come back next week because we got a lot of got a lot of ground to cover here and I think a lot of opportunities to wrestle with who we are in the world and um, how we might continue to grow. Thanks for listening.